First, uh, I'm sorry, Second Corinthians chapter, chapter three this morning, if you have your Bibles. Second Corinthians chapter three. You ready? When I, uh, when I moved to Lithuania, uh, we went to the Holland Bible Conference for the, uh, I think it was the first time we went and I actually had a privilege of ministering to the very first one I went to. And a number of people came up to me and my wife and they said, you're in the book. And I'm like, what book? I didn't remember. And they were referring to a book that was written about our fellowship. I actually was interviewed in it and they put a picture in there. And I have, I, it's not a great picture, but we have the picture. Uh, you got it ready? And uh, they were referring to this, which is 1994, maybe? Carrie Ed's perm. It's the only perm she ever had. So, uh, And it was referred to that we were a fourth-generation church. Prescott planted Tucson. Tucson planted Cape Cod. Cape Cod planted us into Falmouth, Massachusetts. And then later we took over the church in Chicopee, Massachusetts, and that's where this picture was taken. The thing that struck me is there were hundreds of other pictures in the book. There were lots of, you can take it down, there are lots of other people that were noted in that book that from all over the fellowship that were just very interesting to note that they caught that. I thought of that when I came across this scripture because you you have a book that is being written about you. This isn't my biography or literally my unfinished biography by any stretch of the imagination. But in life, you have a book that is an unfinished biography. An unfinished desire that God has. In, in Luke chapter 10, verse 20, he tells the disciples, don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you, but rejoice because your names are written or registered in heaven. Tells us that when we're going to be judged, there'll be books that will be opened. I believe many of that, you know, the Bible, the book of life and, and uh, you know, different other books. But one of them, I believe, is going to be your biography. What God has for your life. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 says, Before I knew you, uh, be, I knew you before I formed you, rather, in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. Malachi speaks of a book of remembrance that is written before the Lord. So God has his books, and one of them is your biography. The plan and the purpose God has for your life. I want to talk to you about the unfinished biography. Second Corinthians chapter two, beginning in verse one. I'm sorry, second Corinthians chapter three, beginning in verse one. 
He says, we, are we beginning to praise ourselves again? Are we like others who need to bring a letter of recommendation or ask, uh, or, uh, 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 or who ask you to write such a letter on their behalf? Surely not. The letter, uh, the only letter of recommendation we need is yourselves. Your lives are the letter written in our hearts. Everyone can read it and recognize our good work among you. Clearly, you are the letter from Christ showing the results of our ministry among you. This letter is not written with pen or ink, but the spirit of the living God. It is, car- it is uh, carved not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. Paul is having to defend his ministry. In fact, 2 Corinthians, uh, from the end of chapter 2 to the beginning of chapter 7, Paul has to defend his ministry to a church he pastored. And as he's doing that, he's mentioning a number of things. And I believe we've looked at this scripture before. Uh, maybe not the text of a sermon, but just the thought of letters of recommendation and such. But Paul is talking about the Holy Spirit writing on our hearts. So let's talk firstly about your unfolding story. Ecclesiastics 3.11 says, Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planned eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from the beginning to the end. That what he's saying is that God had puts questions in our hearts, desires in our hearts. He's looking to move our hearts. God has a plan for your life. This plan will unfold over time. He doesn't give us every detail at every moment of life. And it's just going to work through that if you had asked me 20, you know, if you'd asked that Kid in the picture there, and I was a kid then. Uh, you know, uh, what I think is going to happen involving Lithuania and Prescott and Ireland and here and all of that that would follow through. I would I had no idea. It's unfolding as God's work is. Galatians 1, 15 and 16. But even before I was born, God chose me. This is the Apostle Paul. And called me by his marvelous grace, it then pleased him to reveal his son to me that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. This is what happened. I did not rush out and consult with any human being. You have to understand your life is not an accident. Neither is your salvation. Where God touches you and saves you where He birthed you. These are not accidents. God wants and has a plan for your life. He's working that through. Romans 8, 28 and 29, and we know that uh, God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purposes for for them. For God knew His people in advance. He chose them to become like His Son so that His Son would be the firstborn among many brothers 
and sisters. Now, I wouldn't want to guess for a minute all that God has for your life. I'm still trying to work out all that God has for my life. But I can tell you there are great plans. And that whatever happens in life, if it's good or even if we consider it bad, God is able to use that for His ultimate good. And of course, that involves more of who you are than where you are. Acts chapter 9, verses 15 and 16, But the Lord said, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the gospel and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. God says, I have a plan for that man. He's talking to Ananias. He's saying, go pray for that man. Saul, he was killing Christians and he got saved on the road to Damascus, becomes the Apostle Paul. God says, I have a plan for him. And when you got saved, it was no different. Now, granted, none of us are going to be the Apostle Paul. There was only one Apostle Paul. But this does tell us that God has a place and a plan for you. And this involves numbers of things. This involves other people. Our text is telling us that Paul is saying that I was involved in the in your salvation, your purpose. You were involved in mine. Paul is showing the relationship as part of the plan of God. This is why lone rangers are people who make independent decisions without wise counsel often end up in very bad spiritual predicaments. It involves other people. Second, 1 Corinthians 12.18 But our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where He wants it. See, not only do you need God, but you need other believers. And it's, a, you know, a, a post-COVID problem, which I get it, Pandora's box has been opened and it's, gonna, you know, we're not going to get it closed and all that. But people have liberty now. It's like, man, we survived 10, 12, 14 weeks without church. It's online. I'm good. I don't need to be. It's like, you're just spiritually wounding yourself, spiritually hindering yourself in what God has for your life. This is a tragic tragedy. It's very interesting how many bands back in the day when people actually joined a band. Now it's all independent artists and all that. But back in the day of a band, and somebody would decide that they wanted to leave the band and go solo, and they would never do as well as when they were with the band. Some of them fell off the face of the earth, musically speaking. 
Some of them I liked. I, I know one or two that I really liked, and I really liked their stuff. Bought their albums, thought these were good, and there were politics involved, and radio, and record companies, and radio stations, and cahoots on who is successful and who's not. Still is today. All of that. I get all that. Back, this was back when a term called payola was big, where record companies would pay radio stations to play certain albums a lot and at certain times and certain songs to get artists uh, uh, promoted and all that. I, I get all that. But they think, oh, I'm going to go solo. I'm going to do this on my own. And they fail. You know, I know there's a lot who look at a man like Tom Brady who said, well, he left New England. He went to Tampa and won a Super Bowl. Yes, he did. He's an anomaly. Most quarterbacks who leave their teams never do as well. That's just, you can look that up statistically in the NFL. Most of them don't. Christianity is also in our text about your heart. And he says in our text that the Holy Spirit wants to write your biography not on paper, but on your heart. And so it is a fair question to ask, does God have your heart to write on? See, religion is easy. You can be outward. Lots of outward people this morning, Sunday morning. People will dress up. They'll go to churches all over the country, all over the world. And they'll look really good. But it's got to be something that goes on in here, not just out here. Galatians 6.15, it doesn't matter whether you have been circumcised or not. Circumcision was outward. Circumcision was old religion. Paul goes on to say, what counts is whether you have been transformed into a new creature. A new creation. The changed life. It's not about the outward appearance. It's about the inner working of the heart. In our text, Paul says the letter is not written with pen and ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, which is the old law, but on your heart. The letter that is being written, your biography that is being written, is still being written. This is a living letter. The comparison to stone tablets, stones are cold, they're dead. There's no life, there's no, there's no making adjustments to them. Right? The Ten Commandments are the Ten Commandments, we can't adjust those. A number of years ago, uh, for our anniversary, I took my wife, we went to uh, Washington, D.C., and we went to the Bible Institute. And one of the Bibles that they have on display is called the Wicked Bible. It's, it's kind of a fascinating thing, because in the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, they omitted the word not, and thou shalt not commit adultery. And they called this the Wicked Bible. 
And they're very rare today. They're worth a fortune if you could actually get a hold of one because they got most of them and burned them. It's unfolding. God's still writing. He's still writing your story. We looked at it earlier, but Galatians chapter 1 verses 15 and 16, it says, Then it pleased God to reveal His Son to me that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. I was talking with a man recently, and we were talking about the concept or the issue of destiny. What is destiny? People would have all sorts of things about that. Is is it a place? Does God have a place that is your destiny? And I don't necessarily believe it's simply a place. It's more about who you are, not where you are. Now, in that being who you are, there are specifics God has for you. There are very specifics in our text to proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. There was a task more than a place. God's will is very interesting because it will unfold in your life, but it is so connected to your heart. The Holy Spirit is the pen and the ink. It says it's not written with the pen, but with the Holy Spirit. God dealing with you. God revealing to you. Now, three things you need to know about the Holy Spirit Dealings, and we see this in John 16, 7 through 11. Jesus says, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate or literally the Holy Spirit won't come. And if I don't go away, then I, but if I, if I do go away, I will send him to you. And then when he will come, he will convict the world of sin, of God's righteousness and the coming judgment. Sin, the world's sin, because it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness, because it's available, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no more. And judgment will come, because the ruler of this world has already been judged. Holy Spirit will never lead you into sin. Never. It is not the will of God for you to have to sin. We do that. All by ourselves. I mentioned the old bumper sticker that I saw. Lord, lead me not into temptation. I can find it all by myself. We're really good at that. God does not lead us into an area that is not pleasing to him. I can tell you that. Well, God led me into this relationship. Yeah. But he's a drug-selling Cheating liar. It's not the Holy Spirit. I can tell you that right now. Tell you that that's not the relationship God has for you. Righteousness. God's righteousness. 
Literally, in pre-King James versions of the Bible, it was translated right wiseness. The understanding of the way to live right. That goes beyond the checklist. I didn't lie. I didn't steal. I didn't commit adultery today. It's a good day. It goes beyond that. Because now it goes into areas that God might be saying, don't do that. Or to you specifically, do do this. God's writing this in our hearts. And then judgment. The understanding that our decisions carry specific consequences. This is really lost on a lot of people in, in our day. The issue of consequences. If I make this decision, this could have lasting consequences in my destiny. John Gooding pointed out that every man in the Bible that failed morally never rose again. Reuben, Judah, David, on and on it went. Samson never rose to where they were before they fell. Has consequences. The Holy Spirit is the ink. There are a number of pens that God uses. One is ministry. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip the people of God to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. The ink of preaching, counseling, sometimes a rebuke. Paul tells, correct those. Those are all part of the ink. There's other brethren. Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens his friend. Sometimes the grading You know, this is why when people get involved in ministry, I'm going to talk about this a little bit tonight, but people get involved in ministry. Personalities don't always, it's not always smooth. It's not always kumbaya. And some reaction of people is then to quit. What? Quit. Okay. But you'll never allow the Holy Spirit to work in your heart the way He wants to if your answer is always to, I'll just quit. I've been in bands where I've wanted to strangle other members. And I'm sure there's times they wanted to strangle me. Molly Robinson was in my last band in Prescott. John and Molly are great friends of ours. And I love John. I love Molly. They're they're fun. The boys would get jamming. We'd get going on a song. We'd just start jamming. And I had Ricky Martinez. This is Rick Martinez's son. He was in the band. Great guitarist. Great guy. I love Ricky. We'd just start jamming. And the drummer would come. We went through a couple of drummers. But they'd 
drummer would come and start in, and, you know, we'd just start playing. She'd be like, I need to go home. Let's practice. <laughs> the songs we came to practice, we're like, yeah, this is fun, though. And, you know, iron sharpens iron. True story. The first band I was in in Cape Cod, Massachusetts, the drummer and the guitarist started an argument and it bled over into Sunday morning service. And they're standing in the back and they're now yelling at each other. And Pastor Stevens, Pastor Harold Warner rolls in. And it was very funny. He just looked at him, shook his head, went away. See, it's other people that will deal with your sharp issues. The thought of iron sharpening iron is literally the thought of a file taking off the burrs. You know, some people, I get it, even in the church of God, they're porcupines. And how do you hug a porcupine? Very carefully. But the thought of the Holy Spirit writing your biography involves other people who will sometimes grade you, rub you. Can't we just all sing Kumbaya? Only if we're all on lithium. Circumstances. God will use circumstances. He'll put you into difficult situations so that you actually begin to pray. Seek Him. So He can write on your heart His biography. Let's think about this because the end has not been written yet. Not one of us in here has a complete biography. There will be some that we can look back at and say, yeah, their biography's finished. They've passed, they've gone. It's now a finished work. The future that God has for you begins with your open heart. Isaiah 63, verse 11 Then they remember those days of old when Moses led out the people of Egypt, when they cried, where is the one who brought us, uh, where is the one who brought Israel through the sea with his Moses, their shepherd? Where is the one who sent his Holy Spirit to be among his people? God wants to be among us so he can guide us. That is directly linked to your heart. Is your heart open to God that He can direct you? Galatians 5.25 Since we are living by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Again, He'll never draw you into sin. He will not contradict the Bible. The Holy Spirit will 
never lead you away from the purposes of God. I got a job offer in Alaska. It's going to be on a fishing boat. I'll be out for four months a year. But it pays really well. I think it's the will of God. I prayed about it. Really? Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And in those days, when you pray, I will listen. And if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. See, because time comes, God wants to move. There are times, there are days, there are moments where God is going to have you step into a new area that has to be already prepared in your heart. Acts 13.2 One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work which I have called them. I believe there are numbers of factors in there. I don't think this shocked Barnabas and Saul. What do you mean? I think it was in one of the memorial stones. Pastor Greg mentions that a couple was came to conference and they were wondering on Friday night when Pastor Mitchell, this was back in the days of Pastor Senior Mitchell, was uh, um, announcing churches if they were going to get announced. Like, does he just pick couples out? Like just, okay, who? There they are. Come on out. You're going to East Gazimbia. Come on out. You know, it's like, huh? <laughs> right? This is prepared ahead of time. But what's interesting about this scripture is it says, one day. One day. It's when everything began to change. God had arranged things. Pieces fit together. God was doing something. God marks this in our own hearts. Jacob, Genesis 28.16, Jacob woke up out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord was in this place and I wasn't even aware of it. God was moving and dealing with him. He's running from his brother. All of this is transpiring. The hand of God. So then the question then is, what is your story And how does it end? How does it end? Proverbs uh, Proverbs 4.23 Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. If the Holy Spirit has access to write in it, far beyond just ten rules, well, did you, you know, Honor the Lord on the side, you know, and all of this. So you can choose to walk away. I've seen people choose to not do the will of God. They've chosen, they make this decision, a willful decision, I'm walking away. Backsliding or rebelling or whatever it might be. You can fight God and miss His timing. Children of Israel did. Twelve spies go in the land. Ten come back with a bad report. 
Two argue that it's a good thing, let's go now. They say no. Then there's judgment. He says, okay, you're gonna, you know, 40 days you decided, 40 years you're gonna wander in the way. Now we'll go. And Moses says, don't go. It's bad timing. And they go anyway and get their butts beat. Or you can give yourself to pursue the will of God, His righteousness, His truth, by opening your heart to God. Paul says at the end of his life, 2 Timothy 4, 6-8, through 8, As for me, I've already been poured out as an offering before God. The time of my death is near. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. And now there is a prize waiting for me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. God wants to give us a crown. He wants to reward us. It's never too late if you're not in the ground to change your story. Many of you have heard of Colonel Sanders. Harlan David Sanders. A very interesting man, and and he was born September 9th, 1890, and he opened up a little... First, he started it as a, as a, uh, just a bed and breakfast. It was actually in the way to Florida, people would stop, and he, he kind of created a little bougie hotel, but the chicken that he served became quite famous. And in 1930, he tried to patent his chicken, but I don't know if you know American history, this is the middle of the Great, actually, it was the beginning of the Great Depression. He wasn't able to get anything started. Long story short, he tried, failed, tried, failed because of that. 1952, he's 62 years old. He opened the first Kentucky Fried Chicken in the state of Utah. Sixty-two years old is when he finally got a breakthrough. He had taken it to McDonald's, Burger King, tried to sell chicken to them. They said, nobody wants a chicken sandwich. Many of you would prefer Chick-fil-A over McDonald's. Not just because it's a Christian-owned company, kind of. In 1965, he actually moved to Mississauga, Ontario, which is where our leadership church is up there. To oversee the Canadian franchises, and he had sold off the American franchises, but he would continue to be the face of Kentucky Fried Chicken. Still is to this day, but he would actually do appearances. He finally died in 1980. And he lived in Mississauga until then. But what was very interesting is September of 1970 is when he and his wife got baptized. Little eccentric. They went to the Jordan River to do it, but he got baptized. He became friends with two very well-known preachers of the day, Jerry Falwell Billy Graham. 
he began to be a Christian, but that didn't happen till the end of his life. Here's a man that could change his biography on his own. But in 1970, it radically changed. Radically became something different. Salvation can do that. In salvation, there are times where you just have to open your heart and say, God, I want you to write in here your plan and purpose. What do I need to be doing? What do I need to stop doing? What is it that would help my biography for the end? That's what God's looking for in our lives. Does He have the access to your heart to write into it? Let's bow our heads for just a moment. The good news for all of us is our biography is not finished. That means... We still have some opportunities to make right decisions. That begins with salvation. It begins with us coming to a place where where we say, God, I need you to come into my heart and into my life. I have sinned. I have done my own desires. Lived my own way. And now I need you to come into my heart and change me. I need to be born again. This is what happened to Colonel Sanders. Why he would get baptized. And maybe you're here. You're not right with God. Your biography is not finished. You can get your heart right with God. It can take a Start a new chapter. God can do a mighty work in your life. Forgive your sins. Change your life. But it's as you surrender and say, God, I need you to help me. And maybe you're here. You're not right with God. You need salvation. You need prayer. I wonder if you'd slip up your hand and say, would you pray for me, Pastor? I need to get my heart right with God. I need forgiveness. I need you to come. I need Jesus to come into my heart and change me. I need to know that I'm forgiven. I'm open to God. Let God touch your life. Slip up your hand very quickly. Maybe you're backslidden. You simply took back your heart. Said, no, it's my will. I'm writing my biography, not the Holy Spirit. I'm, it's my will that is going to die. And this has taken you away from the purpose of God want to come back. Slip up your hand very quickly. I'm backslidden. I'm away from God. I need to come back to Jesus very quickly. Anyone at all. You're not saved or you're backslidden. Changing the call then to Christians. God needs the access to your heart so he can write his biography of your life. It's not an autobiography. You're not writing it. He is writing it. And He is more concerned with who you are than where you are. That you and I have our hearts open to God to do what is right and His will. Let's all stand. We're going to open up these altars, allow people to find a place to pray, talk to God.
Worship His name. I will wait on You, Lord, till You come, and I can almost hear the trumpet sound. And in a twinkling of an eye, I'll be gone, and I can wait to hear the word, well done. servant and well done in entering and well done and this is heaven and I can't wait to hear the words well done and I will